0: Welcome to The Creative Classroom, an EdTech podcast series where I chat with industry experts about tools, platforms, technologies, and software that could potentially help you transform learning. My goal is to provide you with an honest opinion on the tools we talk about from money, accessibility, and so much more. My name is Brian Willett, and welcome to The Creative Classroom. On today's episode, I'm joined by Rami Gadas of Logics Academy, a company that provides digital literacy tools to educators in order to help them transform their classrooms into 21st century learning. Their products are designed to help students not only learn code, but also learn subjects through code. So they have lesson plans up on their website that align with curriculum uh, for each province. And these lessons help teachers implement their tools into their classroom so that students not only apply coding and learn coding, but they also receive content and enhance their understanding of the content as well. These lessons are designed and aligned for each provincial curriculum, which means that teachers can go there knowing that when they do one of these lessons or activities, they are essentially covering part of their curriculum and aligning with uh, what their curriculum is looking for. You may already know Logics Academy through some of their robots. Uh, One of the most common robots that you might know or see is their blue robot called Dash and its little sidekick called Dot. Uh, These blue robots are identified as a to K-5 robot in learning how to code and applying these to subject areas. However, we talk about on this episode how Dash and other robots, which may have a grade range assigned to them can be used at different levels depending on the user and what they're trying to do so you can certainly take dash which is designed for k to 5 and bring it to a university level and change what you're actually doing with that robot because it has many capabilities in it um, that go beyond just learning code in grade 5. I've used these robots, I've used many of the products that Logic's Academy has to offer, and I will say that one aspect of these robots and tools that is great is that they're easy to connect and easy to use. The apps are all free, the software they offer is free, and Rami talks about how it's also open source, how the user can interact with the software and, and adapt it to their needs, uh, but they've also connected it to a variety of free softwares that somebody might already be using, such as Scratch or Scratch Junior, uh, so you don't have to go in into a native app, if you will, that is offered by Logic's Academy. However, their apps, which are designed to be free and support the learner, are quite user-friendly and easy to use. Rami also gives us a sneak peek of an upcoming release in the coming weeks, depending on when this podcast is posted, of an emulator that will be online that allow distance learning or remote learning to happen even if you don't have a robot or device at home. That's a fantastic tool to have this emulator version to apply coding uh, at home. And then if you do go back to your class and you have these robots, or even if they don't, and you eventually get one, you can then apply your code to the actual physical robot. So stick around to hear my discussion with Rami from Logics Academy. You just never know, you might hear something useful. Welcome back to The Creative Classroom. I am joined today by Rami Gadas from Logic's Academy. Rami, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: So great to be here and uh, join you on this new initiative, uh, Brian. I'm excited to be part of it.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure the uh, the listeners will be excited to have you on. So, Rami, tell us a little bit about yourself, what your role is with Logic's Academy, and a little bit about the company itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, um, I... I Actually, uh, one of the founders of Logics Academy and uh, Logics is uh, K-12 uh, STEM Robotics and Coding Education Organization uh, based in Ontario, Canada. Uh, and we really focus and hone in on providing digital literacy uh, and innovative skills to children uh, in the classroom and at home as well. Um, really, um, what we focus on is both supporting the child at home the parent at home, and then primarily the teacher in the classroom.
0: So as a founder of Logic Academy, how did you uh, come up with this idea or or this company?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. uh, I'll tell you, I I wish I could say it was uh, uh, profound or thought about. uh, This was actually started out of our own passion. So uh, I myself was involved in uh, a robotics initiative called First Robotics. And one of the first years it came to Canada. Uh, I was in uh, grade 12 in, in high school and um, I participated in this club that my teacher informed me about. And uh, I, I joined the, uh, the team and, and I just fell in love with the idea of building and creating and being able to actually be engaged in learning outside of the textbook environment uh, and, and delve and spend hours in the evening at school uh, without even knowing the, the period time or the start or end time and um, I, I would say I found a new passion for something that I didn't really know about. Um, I, I had an interest uh, prior to that. Both my parents were physicians, so I had an interest growing up to go into medicine, and, and I had applied at that time and got accepted into the sciences, uh, and it was actually after that experience late in, in, in the school year that I spoke to my teacher in guidance, and I said, well, this is really kind of cool. I, I want to do this as a a little bit more than just a, a, a school team. Um, and so I, I entered or applied and entered into engineering um, and, and got into robotics. And, and that was really my passion. Um, and I uh, started doing robotics competitions. We started a robotics team at the University of Toronto at that time. Then, and it was really fun to just connect with other like-minded individuals uh, outside of the classroom. And I would say my learning uh, in that uh, a team or club um, um, probably brought more to me during my university studies at the early onset than a lot of my classroom learning did. Um, learned about, um, you know, taking courses in machine shops, at colleges, uh, learning all around how to actually fundraise and raise money, uh, how to manage a team. Uh, and we, we ended up growing the team substantially, uh, raised capital in terms of actually fundraising for for the team to sponsor and support our growth and we traveled internationally and competed which was quite phenomenal uh, and and that was kind of pursuing my own um, um passion for it and uh, it was then that we started thinking about how do we how do we share this with others and and so um we started simple program uh out of the university of toronto to actually bring in high school students to live on residence during the summer uh, period, where they can actually experience research at the university level, uh, participate in, in really cool competitions that we designed and developed. Just as volunteer students, we thought this was really fun and cool. Um, and so pursued that further and, and grew that, and then ended up mentoring high school teams uh, during the school year. Uh, we really had a thought that digital literacy was something that needed to be brought in to the school and to learning at a very young age. and and. Um, you know over 15 20 years ago this wasn't the case when we were ta- when I'm talking about when we were participating in this so um, we we brought the idea just as an idea to the university at that time but as you can imagine the university was focused very much on pre-entry into university so uh, high school students was the focus uh, so as a number of just you know friends we, we started running uh, private programs uh, at at local locations ran summer camps and started using off the shelf products and tools. So we used a lot of Lego materials um, and, uh, you know, we were running summer camps and and, and fun activities uh, through all that time. And th- at that point, that was really the trigger for us because we were really spending quite a lot of time trying to figure out how to sort all this material, how to manage the equipment, how to deal with, um, you know, uh, loss of equipment, tech support for kids and 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 quickly realized that if, if we wanted to have a true impact to this passion of ours of reaching every child in Canada, we had to actually work with the public education system. It wouldn't have worked just as a fun, private summer camp. And I would say that was really the turning point of how we've turned from a group of friends doing activities that were really fun for a number of years to turning it into an organization with a true vision and mission. And, and uh, at that point, we, what we did was we uh, connected with faculties of education, specifically out of the University of Toronto, the, the faculty of education, to go and pursue uh, an opportunity to delve into research of what are the main factors to bring in experiential learning right into the classroom, rather than pulling a student out and embedding them into a learning environment that's maybe an, an organization or a, a research environment, et cetera. And so um, that led us to the main effort of how do we empower and equip every educator in the country to provide authentic digital literacy robotics and coding education to their students. And through that process, we tried to identify what were the current challenges um, for um, educators. And and, uh, fast forward a little bit, uh, we identified three main things, Um, one being um, the actual knowledge of the educators and training of the educators in uh, and, and, uh, at that time when we were doing research, it was it was quite uh, shocking to myself even to know that in the education system, quite a large number of uh, teachers didn't have a background in science, technology, uh, or engineering, and uh, especially in elementary. Uh, and And that's kind of due to the system of how our education system is built a lot. We're going into focused in specialization and secondary. Um, But really, these young children, uh, you know, we were really keen on making sure that they were led and mentored by passionate individuals in the topic. And the second one was primarily providing them with authentic resources that were built for the classroom. I mean, these are things we take for granted sometimes in technology today. But back then, uh, simple things like how do you share equipment in a classroom? How do you charge and maintain the equipment in the classroom? Uh, how do you manage it so that you don't need a tech support, you know, uh, individual on site or, or or for every classroom to make this efficient and successful? Because otherwise it was hours and hours of work. And we as a bunch of techies realized that we, it took us hours so we could imagine the barrier for a teacher in the classroom above and beyond everything else they have to do in a day to day basis. And then thirdly, um, the other component that we really um target on or the challenge was the actual content and curriculum that they were working with. So in Canada, we got to learn that uh, curriculum is driven from a provincial perspective. Each province has its own set of learning outcomes or standards or curriculum. Um, but the delivery of that was really left to each school board, school, and even primarily a teacher. And, and we you know we saw a lot of, as we, we, we interviewed many teachers in the classroom, saw a lot of folks who had their binder of lesson plans that they taught to their kids and, and they would maybe share it or hand it on from teacher to teacher. Um, but we felt that in the digital world we were in, uh, that collaboration between teachers, not just in the same building, but outside of that building, maybe even in the school district or even across the country. Uh, and, and what um, you know, a, a grade four child is learning in Moncton on, you know, in New Brunswick versus what they're learning in, in, in Winnipeg or Vancouver, uh, really, uh, you know, there were definitely consistencies. So, digital literacy and 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 computational thinking, robotics, and coding brought this new level playing ground where everyone, no matter where you were geographically, could learn at the same um, uh, at the same level and and be at that same forefront. So, developing authentic content and curriculum to support these teachers, uh, no matter where they were across the country, was something that we had identified as one of the main challenges. Because again. Uh, we didn't want that to be a barrier for every single teacher to develop their own content. Uh, we absolutely know that there are some fantastic folks who will, but removing that initial barrier was critical. And so that all led to uh, where we are today, uh, which as an organization focusing on having a true impact on every child in uh, at home and in the school, we realized we wanted to come up with a solution for teachers. uh, that encompasses and solves these three main challenges. And and that's kind of our offering today and how we work with school districts, schools, teachers, and ministries of ed, providing authentic software hardware solutions uh, supported by uh, really fantastic content and curriculum for different grades. Um, And lastly, really the the crux of it all is supporting the teachers through uh, really effective uh, professional development or professional learning uh, opportunities whether it's in person or of course as as we're chatting today this transition to virtual um, uh, which is is really critical and and so uh, you know at a com- as a company level logics has been operating virtual for for many years uh, but i i think it's been really interesting to see how uh, that's been transitioned now with the the pandemic and the crisis that we're in across the world really today uh, and and what what kind of conversations that has that opened up for us uh, as an organization, but also for teachers in the classroom.
0: So you raised some good points there, Rami. And wow, you started this this company, if you will, basically in high school from the roots, uh, and then you've built yourself uh, into what you are today. So you mentioned a few things there, uh, basically aligning uh, to provincial curriculums, providing digital literacy tools uh, to teachers. Uh, in support of classroom instruction, coding, and things like that. So what is it that Logics Academy offers uh, in the sense of tools uh, to educators to help bring that to their students?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Brian. I, I think uh, fundamentally uh, the, the tools we offer are really, as I mentioned, in those three categories. Um, First and foremost, it starts with wonderful uh, products and resources. So uh, you may be familiar with some of the robots that uh, we work with and and are involved in uh, working directly with the manufacturers to make them effective for the classroom. So these are uh, robots just like Dash and Dot, um, the MBOT, Cody Rocky, Lab, all these wonderful uh, uh, digital and and, and physical tools um, that help the child experience uh, those outcomes, uh, but really making sure that these tools are designed to support the teacher. So things like longevity, ability to share the tools in the classroom between room to room, child to child, continuing their learning week to week without the um, you know, thought process of, well, I need to bring back that same robot that I used with Billy or Michelle uh, last week in my room 2A versus room 2B, alleviating a lot of those challenges um to make them just work and and one of the big things that we always talk about internally is it just needs to work you need to pick it up and it just has to work and i I think anyone who's heard me speak before has really emphasized that and and so a lot of the tools and resources now you just pick it up you turn it on you pick up any device it doesn't matter if that was connected to it in advance or before except all any of those things it just needs to work Um, so that's the first and foremost thing. The second thing when we talk about content, at Logics, we really talk about true in-depth authentic curriculum. And we divide our curriculum into this cyclical discussion that, that I, I really love, um, which is starts at what we call learning to code uh, and and those are that's all about learning the fundamental core co- coding concepts that are applicable to really any hardware, or any programming language um, and and, um, applicable to any company really. Um, So, you know, some of those coding concepts uh, like basics of scope and sequence, loops, variables, conditionals, all those wonderful concepts. But we've intertwined learning to code with what we call coding to learn. And coding to learn is really uh, uh, an, a way of integrating and applying those core coding concepts into uh, a a cross-curricular environment. So looking at how do we actually study and engage and bring to life concepts like fractions or magnetism or uh, learning uh, geography or looking at uh, composing musical notes, uh, all using these physical and digital tools. And so what we really love about this Ah, uh, dynamic curriculum and content that an educator can approach it from a, a number of ways, and just like a child would approach it from a number of ways. So we have folks who are looking to teach coding as a uh, as a progression on its own, and we have solutions and content and direction for a child to learn um, in, in a progressive way, but also for a teacher to lead a group of children to learn in a progressive way. And in parallel, Uh, We have what we call our actual uh, uh, curriculum and content aligned to these provincial standards, but also to allow students to delve into project-based learning. So there's content, for example, where a teacher can say, I'm looking to teach grade four students all about fractions. And so there they have their actual lesson plan using the hardware set with assessment criteria, looking at all the videos and PowerPoints and if there's worksheets or activities, all pre-developed ready for them to just roll out right into the classroom. And they can focus on facilitating and delivering that content with their students and supporting them on their authentic learning experience, where the child is actually led through an activity, not today we're gonna learn about fractions, but rather they're gonna uh, take on this new adventure. And through that adventure, they're gonna delve deeper into these core math concepts or the core science concepts, depending on the subject and, and lesson that they're working on.
0: And what a fascinating way to actually not only learn coding, apply coding, but also like emphasize the concepts that you may be learning, whether it be in math class. So Logic's Academy supports educators by providing pre-made lessons uh, for these types of uh, coding to learn type activities. Um, and do you provide online learning for these teachers who would like to know how to use these lessons? Yeah, that's a great question,
1: Brian. I, I, as I mentioned to you, I think those are the three main pillars. So providing the actual solutions if, if, you know, equipping teachers and schools and school boards and ministries of ed with the actual robots and, and all the software implementation, uh, as well as the actual content and tr- uh, for uh, teachers. So all these lesson plans, curriculum, activities for the child and for the teacher. Um, uh, and then the third main pillar of what we provide is the training. So we look at training in a number of avenues. Our um, first and foremost is uh, our actual self-guided training solutions for teachers. So we have both self-guided courses online that teachers can take, as well as a numerous amount of resources of training videos that teachers can delve, delve into, um, you know, on demand whenever they need it. Um, we absolutely as well have quite a number and delivered quite a number of in-person training seminars and sessions and workshops and events across the country uh, in Canada. We've had staff uh, cover from Yukon to St. John's uh, over the past number of years, um, really providing authentic in-person learning experiences for teachers, um, but understanding as well, the challenge of, of um, you know, being cost-effective and efficient and, and being able to keep teachers in their classroom. Um, we've also uh, historically developed uh, virtual training opportunities. So teachers uh, attend uh, virtual training events with us. Um, And then we've also done in-class training where uh, our our staff actually virtually connect with the teacher and his or her students right into the classroom. Uh, So really, as you can see, we've tried to keep it very dynamic and and, and meet the needs of the teacher and or the school board, district or or ministry. Um, And what's really interesting in the time we're in today, um, you know, we're, we're, we're having the conversations of, well, with every child being at home and every teacher being at home, what does virtual rem- or remote learning and teaching even look like? And and uh, that has led us to put together our our, our new program of virtual learning and teaching uh, by Logic Time, which is both components of the educator learning themselves and using this time to to actually equip them to uh, and empower them to build more skills for themselves during this time period. Um, where maybe they can delve into a topic they they wanted to, but just never had a time to do it before and and what better way to leverage and use this opportunity of of being at home um, to do that and then the second component is how do I even engage with a child remotely? What does that look like what what are maybe I need to think about not just the content I'm providing, but I'm also now providing other components from a social aspect, from a psychological aspect and support for the child. so what does that look like, and how does virtual um, learning and teaching f- affect and impact that. Uh, so it's, it's been an absolute interesting transformation that we're going through right now um, to share some of the experiences we've had and worked with in the past, because those are all questions we thought of when we were doing virtual training for teachers. You know, I, I'm not standing beside you and, and seeing what you're doing on your tablet or Chromebook as you're programming the robot. Uh, but now I'm virtual and how do I know what you're doing and how can you know how can I communicate more effectively with you virtually? So we're trying to really uh, share a lot of the lessons learned that we've had and and, and have uh, have learned from the past years of providing virtual training for teachers to to provide more authentic training for teachers today.
0: And that's valuable experience, you know, bringing that to districts and educators about what you've gone through for virtual learning and bringing that to the table. So for educators who. Uh, go to the Logics Academy website for maybe the first time or if they've been there before, they will see that you have a variety of project or products that are being offered to support educators in this digital literacy uh program. Would you say that some products, or can you, you know, maybe let the listeners know, are there some products geared towards a specific grade range? Uh, or are they all just universal and can be applied everywhere? Yeah,
1: great question, uh, Brian. And and um, you know, it's a point as well of discussion when we're working with manufacturers. What what's the purpose of developing a specific product? Why have why not just have one product for everyone? Uh, and and so uh, you know, absolutely. When we talk about a physical robot, there's a number of facets that we um, think about in the development cycle. Um, so one one key component is how does that physical product engage with a student or a child or a teen or an adult um, in a number of ways. So there's the the physical way it interacts. So how it looks, how it feels, the shapes, the colors, all that wonderful, all those wonderful things. Two, there's sort of the social emotional uh, component. So some of these robots actually have a personality, they have a voice, they have an artificial intelligence uh, algorithm built into them so that they can react and talk to the child uh, or the student or the teen. Um, and then there's also the component of how you engage, and uh, some people would say control the robot, uh, how you program the robot, how you uh, code the robot, or or how you communicate with the robot. And if you factor all those things in, that this is where we start getting into boundaries of uh, age or environment uh, or or grades that it works with. Um, so when we talk about specific products, there's absolutely recommended ages that they're designed for, um, absolutely from a safety perspective, uh, you know, specific ages where they're recommended for, but also from, uh, you know, uh, tested outcomes uh, with the child of how they respond to it, uh, and and the, the tone and attenuation of the robot, the personality of the robot, uh, those are all critical things that we think about. And, and then, of course, from an educational perspective, the, the technical capabilities of the robot drive what we could or, or shouldn't say drive, but uh, uh, implement or integrate with what we can teach with that robot. So as simple examples and, and, and you know, without delving too much into it, some robots, um, you know they're capable of driving, right? So you can go forward, backwards, left, right, uh, and, and drive. What, while some other robots have the ability, uh, so, for example, Dash, if you're familiar with the robot, uh, you can actually control individual speed wheels uh, or, we, sorry, speeds of each wheel. So, you know, you might say, well, that's fine. I can just drive forward, right or left. But the implementation of that means we could do things like we could pivot, we can create arcs. Uh, and so, when you start thinking patterning, geometry, mathematics implementation, you can go much deeper with the capability of the robot versus just. Forward, backwards, left, right. Um, so I know that's a one example, but you could see how hardware capabilities drive uh, or give you empower you to do more uh, in the curriculum perspective. And so, uh, from some of the robots, we've been it's been really interesting. Some of these robots have been created, like the Mbot for grade you know middle school, grade five to eight or so. Um, but we actually have some colleges and universities in, in first year computer science using these tools. And by no means was it intended for that, but because it, you know, it's a really transformational tool to go from graphical programming of scratch to go to Arduino um, or Python, uh, that transformational tool is something that was designed for really a middle school student to do. But there's a lot of people out there who've never coded before and they're in first year computer science. And so they still need foundational learning Um, uh, and and, uh, really a way to start from the basics and and grow. Now, they might grow much quicker, but they'll still need to start and grow. Um, So maybe a long answer to your your question there, Brian, but I would definitely say that the products are all designed with an interaction or a safety age for each uh, product. Uh, And then uh, we definitely develop curriculum and content in specific grade ranges that are applied to provincial standards and learning outcomes. Uh, but as a tool, uh, they've really uh, we've really uh, been interested to hear back from a lot of users of how creatively they've used it. Uh, so something like Dash, which is kindergarten to grade five, uh, we have some high schools um, that are using it uh, to teach fundamentals in computer science, computer tech classes that have never explored a simple tool before. Uh, and and also to provide the equitable piece for maybe students with special needs or uh you know uh connecting with uh, a a child that might um, have maybe a, a a fear or a social fear and and having this robot to talk to has now allowed them to get more comfortable because you know the ro- the robot isn't mean uh, and 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 then that gives them a, an open space to talk to that robot where then they get more confidence to, to talk to another individual um so there's been many really neat learnings through this process um you know beyond our fundamental definition of appropriate ages and safe ages to play with and grades but but absolutely as we're designing the the solution and the training and the curriculum we were definitely thinking about uh where does this best fit
0: it's very interesting i mean looking at the products especially for educators when you go there you know, don't take it for surface value. And and you mentioned Dash. You know, when you look at the cute little blue robot who has his little personality, um, you you mentioned you know it could be identified as a K to five robot. However, you know, when you get into building arcs or or how how one wheel will accelerate slower or faster than another, how how many revolutions you want to make could essentially be high school university. So um, it's a it's a valuable point to say. You know, don't take this grade range as the epitome of what it can be used for because obviously as we we always like to say you know the creativity is up to the user Um, and as you implement these robots into your classroom or even at home uh, they can go beyond uh, any one grade Uh, you mentioned something Rami you talked about scratch a little bit Um, what are the tools or or platforms that you can use to program uh, your products
1: yeah uh, um, I I think a lot of people when we start talking about um, robotics and coding and and the way you interact with them in terms of tools, there's a lot of words that are thrown out there. So maybe, maybe we'll, we'll use this as a time to clarify some of that. And and then uh, I think that will give some uh, clarity and and also hopefully understanding on how you can use these platforms in many ways. Um, So I would say most of these tools have two uh, categories of ways you interact with it. There's what's called graphical so think of it like, you know, an app where you can do remote control or, um, you know, you can drag blocks that you, you know, you write like puzzle pieces that give you a sequence of code um, or a set of instructions uh, to give to the, the devices or the robot or even a computer screen. That's how you build computer games in Scratch. Um, and, and then there's the um, text-based or syntaxual. So you might have heard those words used uh, in, in, in before. And each of these categories have different uh, languages. Um, so, you know, in, in, in the graphical based, you might have heard of platforms or languages like Make Code or Scratch or block based or Google Blockly. Uh, so, these are different uh, graphical based languages or platforms. Uh, and similarly, in the text based. Uh, you know, people uh, have heard or seen, and I, I ran across this really neat graphic to show you the utilization of languages in since the 1950s to 2020, and and what language has been most predominant. And, and uh, it's, it was really a neat uh, graphic. That maybe I'll share it with you that you can share with the audience after the link to it. Uh, but it you know started with many languages from uh, Fortran and, and Basic and C and uh, Arduino you might've heard some of these terms to now we're hearing a lot about Java and JavaScript and C++ and Python. And, and so those are all different languages in the, in the text environment. So the robots themselves often all have their own apps that are created or, or software that's created. And that software is created based on some platform. So for example, with Dash, you can use Blockly and, and that's based on the block-based environment, uh, but it's its own app because then you get all the features. But other companies out there have actually worked to integrate uh, robots with other platforms. So, for example, Q, which is Dash's older friend, has its own app, again, built on MakeCode. Um, And so you can program it in its own app uh, and and, uh, interact with it. Um, Scratch is is an open platform, as you know, created by MIT uh, to allow students to program in block-based. And they've built this. Uh, open extensions where people can add their own robots and hardware to build on top of it, and because it's uh, because of that, you see many robots now interacting with it. So robots like the Embod and Cody Rocky and Halo Code, all these wonderful devices, uh, they have their own software, but it's actually built off of the Scratch environment and with more features. So features like IoT, uh, Internet of Things, uh, features like being able to actually have the hardware, the robot be a component or a new sprite that you connect with the virtual game. So I can hold my little Cody Rocky and that's a remote control for a car racing game that I built myself on the screen. So now you get the physical world and and, and digital world interface or interaction together. Um, So a lot of our robots and our fundamental philosophy is all of the software is always free. So it and that allows the child to use it on any device, at home, in the school, in the classroom, uh, and also allow some of the sharing fundamentals that we were talking about in the classroom. So you don't need the same iPad cart or Chromebook cart to use with the same set of robots in advance, et cetera. Uh, But they all have their own software and apps on every operating system out there, essentially, uh, whether it's Windows, Mac OS, Chrome, uh, iOS, Android. um, And and then they often all interact or work with other most common solutions out there, like Scratch, for example.
0: Amazing to know that, as I mentioned earlier, the products can be used for a variety of age ranges and a variety of things, but also that there are a variety of platforms that can be used with with your products that you offer. And they are all free, which oftentimes, you know, that budget line uh, doesn't always allow for that purchase. So the platforms are free um, to help with the coding. um, And you can obviously go between whether it's Scratch and Blockly or a variety of apps and and programs to support that. Um, So Rami, we're going to kick off what I like to call the specialist top five. Uh, And what I'd like to know from you is what are your top five ways that your products and your platforms can support teachers in transforming learning for their students?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. And and I think um, as I think about that in the time period we're in today, I definitely have thoughts from what do we do in, in the virtual learning environment uh, versus what do we do once we're back into the classroom in a physical learning environment? Um, so I, I, I may skew this from just top five to sort of a you know top three for each or something like that. But um, I would say just to add to that, one of the key things we're doing now is actually building emulators and virtual uh, emulators of these robots. So a child, even if they don't have the hardware at home can actually interact from a virtual perspective. So I would say the, the the key tools out there today, if, if you haven't explored or played around with Mblock, which is a free software, um, it's similar, uh, you know, similar to Scratch, built on top of Scratch, but has some really cool added features to bring the notion of Internet of Things into a learning environment. So how can a child actually build a real project and a real solution for a real challenge they have at home? Maybe they're at home right now and they want their door locked and when their brother or sister walk into the room, they get a text message or an email. And how do you build that physical hardware, software, program it all in a graphical perspective without all the, you know, just it just works. <laughs> um, so that's a great tool I would say uh, for both students and teachers to explore. Um, I, I really, really do love open source projects where people can expand. Uh, and so the the Mbot is one of my favorite solutions out there, uh, because it is allows uh, anyone to really have access to a, a getting started kit. But it's all open source and all online. All the electrical drawings, the mechanical drawings are all available. So we have students actually soldering their own sensors, programming them from scratch. You can even three d print your own. Uh, and bought yourself and create it all for from your from your own uh, creations, or expand upon the basics. So I love that notion of open source where students are are limited only by their creativity. Um, so that's another really fascinating tool in my opinion, um, from both hardware and uh, software perspective. Uh, and then the next one is is more focused around um, uh, content and and resources. i I was a big supporter of uh, you know Khan Academy when it first came out to, to you know for people to learn at home. Um, so what we're trying to do is really empower um, teachers to learn on their own and 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 equip them with whatever topic they want to explore. So it, uh, you know being able to go on to sort of like a a library of online resources and 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 so uh, we're building our own version of that and we have that out right now uh, for different hardware kits. Um, uh, but I, I know there's a number of tools out there with, uh, with lots of uh, 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 resources for teachers. So that's uh, pulling out curriculum and content of how to integrate these solutions in the classroom is, is really uh, uh, you know an important tool overall. And, uh, and then uh, lastly, I'd like, love to share with you uh, something called the Halo Code. The Halo Code is a little computer chip. Um, that it's actually uh, quite affordable it, it you know uh, and what it allows individuals to do though is really powerful it's got an onboard Wi-Fi module and uh, a memory uh, chip and it's it's actually able to uh, with Bluetooth as well so you can envision putting this little you know twenty dollar chip thirty dollar chip somewhere remotely to monitor anything you want in terms of data collection and actually be able to send that to the cloud and collect that data. So you can imagine for a remote um, weather monitoring station, uh, a child could actually build a weather monitoring station or uh, a soil moisture detection station uh, and, and monitor their plants where that's connected to their school Wi-Fi network or their home Wi-Fi network. Data is transmitted and then that's all sent to either Office 365 or Google Classroom, and you actually get a, a sheet, a data sheet, collecting all your data points on whatever frequency, you can graph that data and you can even set alarms, text messages, emails to, to alert you. Um, so you could really see how project-based learning can be developed and built with a tool that is you know, very cost-effective these days. And it's all programmed using, again, Scratch or Python. So imagine a child in, in, or a student in grade three or four building their own real solution to a real life problem or challenge they have, you know, in, in, in their parents' home or at school. Uh, and, and I really love this, um, equitable uh, solution that has a lot of technical capabilities. So it's not just about the blinking lights. Uh, it's not just about the, the, the widget or gadget, but it's all about how do I solve a real life problem? And, and, um, I've seen some wonderful things in a project that we rolled out, where students were looking to develop a solution for visually impaired friends uh, in in the school. So folks who couldn't didn't know which locker was there, something we probably take for granted in the school. I you know I know where my locker is, I know the number, I can open it, um, and they actually built a mechanism using this tool to identify which locker was that individual using a, a, a tone, uh, an audible tone, and and then it would trigger. Uh, a communication to their iPhone, which had uh, solutions to be able to communicate with the child. And so what a wonderful, authentic project and a solution that's built by grade five, six students.
0: And amazing to see that these tools can be used by, by young students and the creativity there. Um, like you said, you know, they're limited only by their own creativity. So I, I just have two questions for you before we, we, we end off here. Uh, my first one is you mentioned virtual emulators so that students can build and create at home without having the physical robot. Is that something that is housed on the Logics Academy website? Yeah, uh,
1: Brian. So these, this is a project we've taken on in the recent uh, condition. So it will be uh, sh- uh, released actually uh, in in the next few days on, on the Logics website uh, where the students will actually be able to go and play uh, with a product like Metatolab. Uh If you know Metatalab it's a completely unplugged, Uh, Device where students can actually code the robot using tiles. And so what we've done is built an emulator of that where students can um, still uh, click without having to read. Uh, They can identify the tiles, give instruction to the robot, learn all about scope and sequence, and even loops and and functions, um, and interact through an interactive story. So they're kind of interacting through a game or a story, uh, but they're playing this game to learn all the fundamentals of coding. And we've built this as an emulator to replicate exactly what the physical hardware is. So if they do have the hardware, they can interact with it. If they go back to the classroom and they have the hardware in their classroom, there's definitely alignment between the two. And what's really pushed us to think forward is now that we have this emulator, what a wonderful, equitable piece. Or maybe in some schools, there's a couple of these robots, but we can have every child building their code virtually, and then testing it out on, you know, the the limited number of units that are available, depending where they are, and and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I think this time period is really pushing us to think beyond just what do we do in the next few weeks or months or however long we're learning from home, but rather, how do we actually use this time to come up with solutions that students will benefit from for years to come.
0: And that's fantastic. You know, you're you're adapting for the current conditions, but obviously, this is something that will support and benefit students and educators in the long term as well. Uh so you talked a little bit about Halo Code um and you mentioned that it's cost it's not costly. So what would be the price point for a Halo Code if someone was looking uh, to start with that?
1: Yeah, um right now Brian I believe it's uh, $30 Canadian uh and uh available in Canada at the moment. Um so and there's kits and classroom packs and things of that nature. But as, again, it's it's uh, yeah, it's in the twenty to thirty dollar price range, depending on which country you're in.
0: That's quite an effective, you know, that's uh, quite cheap, if you will, for for implementing a digital tool, whether it's at home or in a classroom. So uh, that's a great price point for a starter. Uh, pack, if you will, of, of a new tech that you're trying to use. So Rami, I, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today uh, on the podcast. Before we head out, is there anything else that you'd want to share with the listeners that we may not have covered just yet?
1: Um, I, mean, I think we've uh, we, we've had a fantastic conversation, Brian. I, I, the, the one thing I would add that, you know, has been something that we've been self-reflecting on in this time period we're in, I know everyone's really under uh uh, challenge of rethinking what does education look like in this time period. But as an organization, we've really been uh, using this time as an opportunity to challenge ourselves to how can we grow as an organization during this time? How do we benefit from uh, this opportunity in terms of learning? And uh, we're spending time to actually train even more of our own staff and getting everyone more comfortable. And uh, all I can share is I think a lot of times out there, we we panic in times of uh, you know uncertainty, uh, but I would urge everyone to take this time to grow themselves and, and and spend time to learn things and concepts and topics maybe we never had the chance to do before. Uh, and and similarly for teachers, I would say uh, this might be a great time to pick up a, a new tool that you know might have been overwhelming in the classroom with all the responsibilities and day-to-day tasks that uh, uh, you know we all understand how how much work that is. So hopefully, this is a time to. Spend in something you're you're really passionate about, or, or or maybe interested in, and want to grow that passion. And if you have any questions out there around the world of STEM robotics and coding, don't hesitate to contact us or reach out to anyone of the folks on our team, we'd love to support and help and during this time.
0: Well, thank you again, Rami, for joining me uh, today on the podcast. If anyone has any questions, you know, uh, reach out to Rami or, or one of the team members over at Logics Academy and head over to their website, logixacademy.com uh, to see the products that we talked about today, the resources that are available and to see what they have to offer, whether it's virtual learning um, or products that you can utilize in your classroom or in this time that we are in right now with This Is Learning. So thanks again, Remy, for joining us uh, on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Creative Classroom, where we focused on the tools and support that Logics Academy offers for students and educators. Be sure to check out the website at logicsacademy.com to not only see their products, but their lessons that they offer, as well as these cool emulators that you can use at home to learn how to code and apply your coding to different subject areas. So head over to logicsacademy.com and don't forget, share everything with us through our Twitter page as well as using the hashtag MakeLearningCreative. We want to know what tools and ed tech you might be using in your classroom, so be sure to follow us on Twitter and use hashtag MakeLearningCreative. We will see everyone next time.